Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Uddleston. And today we are talking to, I already forgot what, you, when is it? Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, 2005. <laughs> you literally, one second ago, tell me what year it is. Hey, we're getting today old. Today we're both, we are, uh, today we are very excited to be talking to you about the 2005 action noir, neo-noir? Comedy. Comedy, Kiss Mystery Kiss and- Bang Bang. This uh, is as good as it gets, folks. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes lists it as mystery and thriller LGBTQ, which we'll we'll get to that. But oh, all right, so you want me to, to do that. the synopsis? No, let me let me just set it up again. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> and today we are both very excited to be talking to you about the movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Let's go. Hurry up. It's not my fault. Just shut up and run. Hold it right there. Harry was a small-time crook. Oh, boy. Till he opened the door. Oh, no, no, we're not ready for your audition. Just take him, he's ready. You ready, right? To a really big break. Quit acting like the good guy. You got your partner killed. You killed him. See, this is what I'm talking about. Old-school method. Give me Gabe Perry on the phone. But he'll need a real cop. Detective lessons tomorrow for your acting. Oh, are you the uh, consultant? If he wants to act the part. You must be Gabe Perry. Still gay? Me? No. I just like the name so much, I can't get rid of it. So what do you do? I'm a private detective. She thinks I'm a detective. Of all the idiot things to do. My sister... Are you going to help me? I got to check my schedule. Can you help me, Harry? Because you're not going to help me find somebody else. Sometimes I have other... uh, My caseload is is pretty... Thank you. From Shane Black, the creator of Lethal Weapon. Do not play detective. Moron. Go home before the bad guys do something bad to you. Two corpses in three hours. I mean, that's unusual, right? Yes. Comes a mystery. It's a frame-up. First things first. Do you have the corpse? I, I got rid of it. You threw it away. Yeah. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No. The definition of the word idiot. Ow. That starts with a kiss. Why'd you lie to me? It was an excuse to stay around you, so I mean, I think... Ow! Did I just cut off your finger? Yeah. It's on the floor. Pick it up. Pick it up. And ends with a bang. Where is the girl? Oh. You put a live round in that gun. Oh, yeah. There was like an 8% chance. Hey, was who it? taught you math? <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. What do you think, I'm stupid? Val Kilmer. Yes, I think you're stupid. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Oh, hell. Kiss me. What? Kiss me. No, no, no. No, no, no. These lessons suck. All right, now, will you please give us a synopsis? I will. Uh, so, it was written and directed by Shane Black. We'll probably talk about him some. Stars Robert Downey Jr., Val Kilmer, Michelle Monaghan, Corbin Burnson. And the synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is two-bit crook Harry Lockhart, played by Robert Downey Jr., stumbles into an audition for a mystery film while on the run from the cops. Winning the part, he lands in Hollywood, where he's flung into a tangled, murderous conspiracy with his childhood sweetheart, Harmony Lane, Michelle Monaghan, and hard-boiled private eye Perry Van Shrike, Val Kilmer. This deadpan, affectionate parody of film noir tropes 
is named for film critic Pauline Kael's influential 1968 collection of film reviews and essays, which I did not know until I I did that. not know that either. So I had seen this previously when it first came out. Had, I don't remember if you had seen it or if this was a first-time watch. No, I, I had seen it before, yes, okay. but I it's not like I'd probably just seen it the once. I, yeah, I, same here. I didn't remember much. So what did you think this on the second viewing? Well, I think there's a reason why it's not a part of like people's beloved canon. Um, I think the stuff it does well, it does very well. And I think that the LBGTQ, as they put it, element of it is a, doesn't age very well. No. Um, so there's something about it that thinks it's very clever that I don't remember whether or not it graded on me the first time I saw it, but it graded on me a little bit this time. But slipping back to the positive side of the street, I think the stuff it does well, it does really well. I think, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is clearly, I think he's a little miscast in this. I don't think it was written for the type of character that has become that guy's wheelhouse. And I don't mean Tony Stark, but I mean... I think the character on the page is dumber than Robert Downey Jr. is or plays habitually. Mm-hmm. So what I love about Robert Downey Jr. is he always brings a real sparkle, you know, and the the fast-paced dialogue and the repartee um, he nails, as he always does, in my opinion. Um, he plays very well off of Val Kilmer, who I think really aces this movie. Um, so the scenes where the two of them are kind of fast talking back and forth. Oh yeah, yeah. See that? That those are wonderful, and I think they're really sore. Um, and the chemistry that Robert Downey Jr. has with um, Michelle Monaghan, his, yes, Michelle Monaghan, um, is terrific. Also, I think, um, it's just the scenes in which. It's a, it feels a little implausible. I mean, one of the running jokes is that Robert Downey Jr. is a real dumbo, and Val Kilmer is constantly pointing that out. And I think on the page, he really is supposed to be not dim-witted, but pretty slow on the uptake, not a quick thinker. But Robert Downey Jr. is. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of my, you know... I enjoyed watching those two, three people sail through this movie and have a lot of fun with it. And I think that the writing at at its best is snappy and surprising and sardonic and sarcastic and, you know, in delightful ways. But the other parts of it don't age so well. And it's not Robert Downey Jr.'s best work. I mean, he does fine. He does a good job in it. It's just I don't think it's the right fit. What do you think? Um, I think I would disagree a little bit on it not being the right fit. I I agree with you that Robert Downey Jr. playing dumb, you know, he's that's not him. I think this feels like, okay, so this was three years before Iron Man. So this was still when Robert Downey Jr. was kind of viewed as damaged goods. And, you know, nobody, younger people wouldn't realize this, but... You know, uh, there was a 
the the studio did not want Robert Downey Jr. to be Iron Man because they were like, he had all these drug problems and he's an insurance risk and all this. And uh, John Favreau, you know, really had to fight for him to get that role. So this was still when Robert Downey Jr. was kind of out in the wilderness, you know. And I do think this feels like a pre Robert a pre Iron Man role for Robert Downey Jr., if that makes sense, as opposed to a post-Iron Man role. Um, because as you said, where it, where it feels very much like the kind of roles that he played, not to say that he doesn't play these kind of roles now, but the snappy dialogue is the thing where I, I felt watching this, he's very, you know, he's very, very natural with delivering Shane Black's dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um I feel, but like you said, him being kind of dim-witted doesn't doesn't really fly because we know that Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. isn't. Um, also, as you said, so I'll say this first: it has a bunch of Shane Black tropes. So we watched uh, the Long Kiss Goodnight a few weeks ago. Takes place at Christmas time. This place. T- I don't know if every movie that he has done has taken place at Christmas time, but. Most of them do. That's what he he wrote and directed Iron Man three, which I think takes place at at Christmas time. Oh, um, yeah, probably. Yeah, so uh, I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure that it does. So you know, you've got the Christmas thing, you've got the kind of buddy cop thing, even though they're not, you know, they're not both cops. But as you said, the thing that's and and I think the chemistry between the three of them is all really good. Yeah. Um, the story doesn't really, you know, the plot doesn't really make sense, but. You know, you're not really watching a movie. You're watching a movie like this to see the three of them together, you know. Right. But definitely the thing that definitely stood out to me the most as an as a negative and what uh, doesn't play well is is the gay joke. So Val Kilmer's character is gay and they call him Gay Perry, like right off. They they introduce him as Gay Perry, which he doesn't seem to care about that. He doesn't seem to be offended. But there's no reason for his character to be gay other than to make jokes about him being gay. That's the only, so it's just like, I don't really know what the point of that was in 2005. I mean, yeah. that's some 1985 stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if Eddie Murphy did a movie and there was a character in 85 or three or 81, um, and there was a character named gay Perry, that would kind of square. I'm not mm. saying it's right or even funny at that time, but in 2005, like the joke is that he's gay and that's odd enough that everybody, you know, that's like Jimmy, you know, two times. That's that's mm. a that's the crazy quirk this guy has is that he's homosexual. You know what I mean? I'm, I was scratching my head the whole time too. And they make Really sophomoric jokes about it all the way through, and I think that the idea that Val Kilmer is just clearly it plays super competent and high status and smart and above it all, and it all rolls off him, you know, he doesn't stoop to ever take the bait at it, is supposed to sort of balance it out somehow or bless it or be like, no, but that's a, see, he's not phased by it. I'm like, no, the point is that you keep hammering on this mm-hmm. sixth grade joke, sixth grade from our uh, sixth graders today. Don't joke about mm-hmm. gay stuff. You know, that was our sixth yeah. grade. 
And it so, serves absolutely I I just, no purpose. I know. You know I was like, I, this, is that the best you can write? Like, you have other funny stuff in this. Why is this? Yeah. He's clearly a smart writer, you know. Uh, so it's not like a good writer. So it's not like, uh, yeah, that was the thing that really, that really I mean, stood it's out. Never, you know? It's never like, um, I mentioned Eddie Murphy films. I mean, it, it, some of those are, are through the lens of today are actually offensive. Um, mm. Well, and especially a stand-up, you know. And I didn't, yeah, that. I didn't feel like this ever offended me in that way. I just thought this is lazy and dumb. I and don't there's, know they what, don't you know, do anything to make his so egregious that it's, you know, it's very. And it's not like they do anything to make his character stereotypically. He's just Val Kilmer. No. I mean, but, you wouldn't. But it's just like, hey, guess what? He's gay. But it's not like they do, you know, anything to to like. Well, here's an Draw example. attention to. So the, there's one point where they are trying to hide a body. They're, one of them or both of them is being framed for a murder. Mm-hmm. And they actually, they've got the body that has been planted in like Robert Downey Jr.'s bathtub or something. By the way, we spoil these movies. Um, it's 18 years old, so. Right. Um, and and so that's how these two guys are finding themselves trying to get a body into a trunk and a, a patrol car pull they're in an alley patrol car pulls by oh yeah i forgot about sort this of slows scene. down yeah. and in, in a moment you know to sort of distract um Val Kilmer says kiss me right and he grabs him and kisses Robert Downey Jr so the cops go oh look at these two lovebirds you know and kind of drive on and then there's a moment, a, a Warner Brothers, like Looney Tunes moment afterwards, where Robert Downey Jr. is like, puh, puh, puh. And I'm like, come mm-hmm. on, come on. Yeah. Really? I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, it's dopey sophomore stuff. But yeah, I didn't think it ruined the movie. I thought no. it just didn't age very well. And I thought the funniest stuff in the movie really shown. So I was sort of disappointed that I'm like, you know, well, I mean, if you if, if you can write the funny stuff, I wish you'd have taken another pass. I guess I think they obviously thought this was among the funny stuff. I don't know. I guess, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that, but uh, you know, it has this nice um, neo noir is a is a genre that I think is a lot of fun. So it. Yeah. You know, it plays with a lot of tropes of that and and um so it's you know, it's a fun movie and he he obviously likes this kind of thing because he also wrote and directed The Nice Guys, which is very I think is a very similar movie to this. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's that same kind of buddy and he does the same thing in that one if if if, if I recall right where Ryan Gosling is the dumb guy right. and and uh Russell Crowe is the smart you know, streetwise guy. Right. It's kind of, that's a little more, a little bit more Laurel and Hardy than this one mm. feels like. Do you think yeah. so? Or? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's been quite a while since I saw that and I yeah. watched that movie on it, watched that movie on an airplane, which is not always the greatest place to watch a, a movie. Yeah, probably. But, not uh, but yeah, um, but it was I funny because you. I remember, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I remembered really, really liking this. And also, it you know, I'm, I kind of feel like once you get to a certain age, you're trapped in this 
kind of view where you think everything happened three years ago and it's like, oh, this was 18 years ago. I can't believe it was that, you know, that long ago. Um, But I remember really, really liking it at the time. And I didn't remember, you know, the gay jokes. Um, But uh, I still liked it. I mean, this time around. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I I I don't feel like it was entertaining. uh, I actually thought it was probably, I haven't seen the nice guys in quite a while, but. I think if you had to ask me to pick it out of a hat, I'd have said this was more entertaining than the nice guys. Yeah. But I would say this is not which he didn't direct, but it's it's not as good as The Long Kiss Goodnight. I agree. I think there's just something about and and that's such a weird movie in so many ways, but but it just comes together and I think Gina Davis really carries it. Um we had mentioned this before, but the the movie that she had done with him prior to this was um, Cutthroat Island. Cutthroat right? Island, yeah. And well, it is. Did he write it? Uh, Cutthroat Island, because Cutthroat Island was um, he directed uh, John John Debont or whatever, right? Who directed? So he he yeah, did okay. not. Yes, that's right. It's the director. It's not mm-hmm. the writer. He didn't write uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and nor did he direct. No. He didn't write the luck is good night. He did write the luck. He I, didn't direct I'm, it. Right. Yeah. My name is Chris Ferry and this is my co <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I don't even know what I'm talking about, folks. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not the same person. Right. So yeah. But yeah, I mean, Gina I mean, Davis had worked had had worked with the same director, John DeBond, or however you say his name. On the Long Kiss Goodnight and Cutthroat right. Island, so it doesn't that that has no relevance here because it's not the same director and it's not the same star, right? But um, but it is the same writer for. But one it's of supposedly us. a terrible movie, and it's actually supposedly a terrible enough movie that I don't want to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> for this podcast, which is about stinkers, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes we watch good movies. Mm-hmm. Long Kiss Goodnight was a good movie. I thought so too. Yeah, a non-stinker, and this one isn't a stinker either. I mean, it's yeah. it's not like essential viewing, but no, it's it, kind it, of it's, it's sort of a sort of a forgotten. I mean, not yeah. lost movie, but you know, one of those movies that I don't think people think of. There's other things in that genre that you know people are going to go to first, right? And for these actors too, you know, if you're yes. This is definitely not the best thing that <clears throat> Val Kilmer has done. This is definitely not the best thing that Robert Downey Jr. has done. This is not the best thing that Michelle Monaghan has done. Um, right. But it's it doesn't have to be. It's a pretty it's a pretty light film to me. Um, and I think ultimately I did. I think I ultimately enjoyed it more than I sort of expected to. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched the trailer and the Gay Perry stuff came back, and I was like, "Oh right, I don't know, this is going to irritate me all the way through." And then I watched them, like, eh, you know, a couple little cringes, but otherwise, it was like, it's okay. Yeah, I don't. It, this stuff didn't used to get to me so much, and that's something. Recently, I'm just. It just feels really lazy to me when people are like, "Everybody thinks this, right?" And you're like, "Well, no, not really, not anymore." And you just can't imagine that in a movie now. Right. It's hard to imagine that in right. a movie now. Well, and um, but you put your finger right on it too. It's just like it's not just gay jokes. It's but it's it's lazy material, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it has that 
I know this is sort of a buzzword, but that kind of punch down feel. Mm-hmm. Like make kid of the make fun of the kid in the schoolyard with funny glasses. You're like, mm-hmm. is that the best you got? Because that's not surprising, or you know what I mean? Yeah, and especially when you know that this writer and all these people are are above that. Like I can see. I don't know if these guys are are still making movies, but I could see you know sort of around the time. Did you ever see any of those? Uh, those guys were called Broken Lizard. Like they did the, uh, uh, they did the Super Troopers. And did you ever see any of those movies? I, you know what's funny? I started watching Super Troopers, and I think I might have actually been too high <laughs> to oh, get okay. through it. I just didn't finish it. Um, I mean, that's the kind of thing I could see those guys doing. Like it would be yeah. a lot of gay jokes and stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, I think they did the one, the Dukes of Hazard movie too, and I don't know, but it, it just kind of seems like that's stuff that just seems really out of place now. That's I, we're probably spending too much time on this because it's a small part of the movie. You know, yeah. it's not maybe the go the gay jokes are maybe like three percent of the dialogue or right. something. But aside from the but, character uh, being named Gay Perry, yeah, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I you mentioned it earlier, but the plot of this one is so labyrinthine that it completely lost me. There's like a dead body and then but there's a number of different young women that look like the dead body. And then you think, mm-hmm. oh, well, no, it actually that was your sister posing as the daughter who hired. the. And I'm just like, I don't I don't know what's going on. And at the end, and, Robert Downey Jr.'s character talks, breaks the fourth wall and narrates also. Yeah, the audience is like, "Oh, have you figured it out yet? You know, have you put the clues together?" And I'm like, "Dude, you lost me about an hour." <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> just, I'm not sure I even care at this point. I, yeah. I know you're going to solve it, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. But <laughs> and maybe, maybe I'm just not smart enough. But this this often happens to me with these kind of mystery movies and also spy movies. Spy movies, I never feel like I ever know what the hell is going on. You know what I mean? It's right, just like, I don't know, right. this is a bad guy, and that's the good guy. Right. And I don't know, he wants the nuclear codes for this <laughs> right. reason or whatever. You know, and I was just like, I don't know what's happening. Um, you know, like the Mission Impossible movies and that kind of stuff. I'm I was just thinking lost about, about that first Mission in. Impossible movie with Tom Cruise where they had the masks, right? So you would yeah. literally be talking to the guy played by another actor, and then he would go... <laughs> <laughs> it would be Tom Cruise underneath me. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it was laughable. <laughs> You're like, wow. Wow. Ah, you froze the, and they'd have a voice thing to explain the voice. And you're like, okay, I don't know, guys. Yeah. But I think they've evolved like that a little bit to car chases and trains going out of planes. And I mean, the, yeah, now I don't know the if they stunt do the work is just so crazy. I think they lost the mask thing. I don't know if they do the mask thing anymore, but that that kind of thing is always funny. Where it's like the person's a different size, and you know, right. unless you're totally like exactly, different body type, exactly. unless they're exactly the same body type and size, it's like that's, that's not going to work. Um, but I don't know. I guess that's suspension of disbelief. So. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like with this one, there's not really a lot to delve into because I I couldn't exactly tell you the plot, you know, beyond what we had in the synopsis like if you held, held a gun to my head yeah i mean it's a it's a noir mashup i mean starts with a body and uh you know private eye hired to solve a murder and at one point there's a suicide that's another character is convinced was a murder and you know and then oh it wasn't that person it was actually 
the sister posing as the daughter for reasons. And so it, it does that where it's just constantly switching back on there's full of red herrings. And I mean, that makes it kind of fun, but it did lose me. Mm -hmm. It did lose me. And like I say, I, I I don't want to be harping on it. Like, I think I'll recommend this film. I just, um, that wasn't really the point of it for me. I wasn't in it for yeah. the mystery. You know, it wasn't a Poirot thing where I'm like, oh, was it Madame Rouge or was it Monsieur? I didn't, I didn't get hooked in by it. So that's, it's basically that's you, sort of a failure because you should care. Yeah, but I think it's more about enjoying these characters together, you know, and that yeah. is, they are fun together. Um, in terms of, Neo Noirs, have you? This is one that I've thought about that maybe at some point that we could do. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Have you ever seen Inherit Vice with uh, Joaquin Phoenix? Do you know? I don't think I have seen that, and it got good reviews. It's a good movie. Yeah, right? yeah. We should do it sometime. It's, okay. it's. I think it'd be an, an interesting conversation. I, I think. That. I feel like yeah. that came out at a time when I just wasn't watching a lot of movies for some reason. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was around. 2010 something like that yeah it's definitely an interesting one i mean let's see yeah 2010 like rachel would have been pregnant with nova and nate was Mm -hmm. a handful i mean i think i just was not going out to the movies yeah (laughs) i didn't see it in the theater i watched it at home but yeah um so i don't know do we have anything else to say about this one i feel like this is a really short no i mean but i would say despite all my nitpicking with it i i did enjoy it and i would if you're Mm -hmm. into that genre and if you're looking for you know i think the robert downey jr angle like oh this was a pre-iron man movie that's of interest now because he's officially post iron man so he's doing things like oppenheimer and he did like the doctor do little stuff and you know which i didn't see crazy to me this definitely seems like, you know, definitely feels like a guy of a different part of his career, which stage of which is, of his career, which he was. I, yeah. I can't. He probably wouldn't do a small film like this now, you know. Well, so, yeah, maybe not. I think um, not. there's something liberating about the kind of success he had with that franchise and Iron Man. Um, I'm sure yeah, he, feels- he can certainly do whatever he wants. I think he yeah, exactly. He certainly doesn't need the money, so I mean yeah. his agents oh, yeah. are probably going to fight him on whatever he would want to do. But at his level, he's like, guys, I'll just go right across the street. So mm-hmm. I would like, yes, sir, and how high? You know, that's what mm-hmm. I want from here on out because that's how much yeah. money he's made. Um, I guess he has like, I haven't seen Oppenheimer, but I guess that's just, you know that's a pretty small part that he. Ha- I'm guessing. Um, it's supposed know, to be but, pretty good. It's supposed to be yeah. Oscar bait, and it's interesting that they are releasing it in July. I mean, they're releasing well, it. Well, it opened huge. Season, I mean, yeah. you had the whole Barben, Barbenheimer thing or whatever, that, you know, so <laughs> where they play off of each other. Um, but, you know, I would love to see, maybe he will, but I would love to see him. Do, I think there's another Sherlock Holmes in the works, which which I would, I like those movies. So I, those, I are, would, those are entertaining. I would I would have some fun seeing that, but I would I I'd like to. He's going back to do British accents. I just it, he does an okay job with it. He does an yeah. okay job of it, right? Mm-hmm. But in 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 an era where we've got these Aussies that can do 
that are vocal chameleons, and it's not just mm-hmm. the Australians, but I mean, there are people. It's like the the joke is you you fall in love with a character on the screen, and you know, in in this in the movie they're from Brooklyn or whatever or Tennessee, and then you see an interview with them and Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, and they're like. Oh yeah, when I got this role, it was like, <laughs> like they're Australian, well, and that's the joke is that they're it's always Australians. Once in a blue moon, they're British or something, but it's. I don't want to spoil an upcoming movie that we're going to do, but uh, we're covering one with with John Boyega, who is playing you know an American drug dealer guy, and like it's. And he, I don't know if you've gotten to this part yet, but he plays other characters in the movie too. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I haven't he, gotten that far. Don't yeah, spoil it for me. That's, okay, yeah, I won't spoil it, but he, he does play multiple characters. Um, and so why don't we, like, in fact, wow. why don't we do that one next? Because we had okay. talked about doing, what, is it 40? 65. 65. 41 hike. <laughs> uh, we started watching, at least I started watching 65 which is uh, on Netflix. It's a Netflix original sci-fi. I don't want to spoil it for you, but you can pretty much figure it out just from watching the the blip, the trailer of it. Um, and I'm I've sat down to sort of continue watching it twice now, and I'm just not it to me. And again, I have not finished the entire film. To me, it feels like this made for streaming content. Mm. Um, that. The performances are fine. The writing seems fine. The visual effects all look fine. It just doesn't get its hooks in me, you know. And I was I, reading today that it's some people saying it's kind of a snooze fest. So just doesn't get its hooks in me. And yeah. you, so, you end yeah, up we, sort of scratching your head, being like, "Why isn't this better?" Mm-hmm. Like, not outraged. Like, you know, why didn't they? Why didn't they bother? But sort of like it looked like everybody was giving this a good shot. Everybody's um, going for it, but I'm. I just find myself not super engaged. Mm-hmm. I can't put my Have, finger on precisely why. So yeah, we're not going to do that one. Have you watched anything else recently? Um, no, not really. Mm, not. I've been watching some series and stuff, but mm-hmm. I haven't watched any other movies. Um, I mean, I, I mean, watched this. Watched all of yeah. the Indiana Jones, but we already talked about that. Yeah, and this upcoming one, uh, they cloned Tyrone that we're going to talk about. I watched that. And I I don't know if I mentioned this on another episode, but I watched this new season of Black Mirror that I thought was really good. I haven't watched any uh, of that yet. That's in my queue. There's only one that I thought was kind of not great, but the other ones I, I enjoyed a lot. Um, I, I, I take that back. I have it. There's one. One You're second. Right? There's one that I have not watched, one episode. but so I've watched, I think there's six, and I've watched five. And four out of five, I thought were really good. The the fifth one, I was was entertaining, but I didn't think it was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this season is. It's a shame with them that they do do so few episodes. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, are they toying with doing like a red mirror or something like that? That's yeah. So that's what I was telling science? you. So they yeah yeah they did one. That so I had read that they were considering doing just a complete spinoff show that they would call Red Mirror that would just be horror stuff, 
but I, I don't know if they scrapped that or if they're just testing this out or what, but with this season, they did one episode about this woman who um, finds this talisman that summons a demon and they called that like a red mirror production. It's mm-hmm. funny though. I mean, it's not really, I mean, it's horror, but it's, I'd say horror comedy, but yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if that was to test the waters to see what people thought or, you know, I don't yeah. know if they're kind of running out of sci-fi ideas or what, but, <laughs> but yeah, they, we're, they were definitely we're running out of sci-fi ideas, folks, <laughs> but there definitely were, were, at least two of the episodes that I would say were not science fiction and they were, they were much more horror than, than, I mean, they're, you know, they're, it's always been dark. I mean, it's always, it's always been, been dark. You know, yeah. Metalhead in the original season was yeah. crazy. And, but, but neither of these have anything to do with technology. You know, mm-hmm. I think almost all the episodes, there was some technological, you know, slant with it. Um, uh, go ahead. I was just going to, is a change of topic, but did you watch any of the congressional hearing on the UFOs that they did the other day? No, I've just seen little, so is this guy a nut or what? I mean, is this, was this guy credible? Well, I haven't, I've only just seen just little brief, mainly just too. people making jokes about I it, but I didn't watch any of thing. it. Um, but it definitely plays into... All of the kind of conspiracy lore um, that has been a a running trope the whole time, right? I mean, Mm. the military Mm -hmm. loops the president into it when they are elected. Mm -hmm. Um, The military denies, denies, denies. Um, But but even if you even if you zoom out a little bit, I mean, his assertion is that we have been collecting these crashed spacecraft in order to reverse engineer the technology and that's a sci-fi trope that goes all the way back to Mm -hmm. the 40s um but even if you set that aside for the moment you decide he's not credible the military is now rebranding like ufo has a stigma of little green men that they're trying so they I, i forget what it's what it is now but they're like unexplained phenomenon or aerial you know, it's like something different. Mm-hmm. But it's describing these unidentified flying objects that they are now saying, look, we want to be transparent about this. We want people to be aware that this is happening. Um, so, I mean, we went pretty immediately from, oh, okay, uh, ma'am, I'm sure you saw something in this guy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was a, it was a weather balloon, right? To, to like you're crazy. Oh, go get your tinfoil hat. To like, well, no, we actually yes, this has been going on for a long time, and we have a lot of footage of it, and we don't know what it is, and um, we're not saying it's aliens, but we're we're saying we don't know what it is. <laughs> you know, so it's like you do the math. It's pretty simple math. You're like, well, is it the Russians? I'm like, well, no, we're we're pretty sure it's not the Russians. The Chinese, no. Uh, any world country, well, not that we can discern. Doesn't seem to be. I mean, these are things that don't conform to physics as we understand mm-hmm. it. So they're like, so the, it's aliens. They're like, well, we don't know what it is. <laughs> so, what I wonder is, why are they saying this now? 
what's the... I know. Because it's not like... Because people have been obviously trying... I mean, our entire lives and, and beyond, people have been trying to figure out and trying to get the government to admit, you know, that they have aliens or, you know, UFOs exist or whatever. It seems, that, like you say, they've always just denied it and tried to make the people look crazy, you know, and all that. And I, I don't really understand what they have because it, it really has been in the last couple of years that they, you know, have started saying these things. And I don't really know what the what the what's reasoning the, what's is. What's the end game? Uh, you know, I think... My gut says one of two things. Some there's some big reveal coming that they feel like they need to be out in front of. Hmm. Um, and whether that is some uh, foreign power, you know, has gotten something, you know, there's but there's there it seems like there's a force, a forced reveal that's on the horizon, and they want to sort of lay the groundwork for that mm. um, politically to be like, now, well, technically we did tell you, you know, that we were looking at something like this. Um, but also probably they've run, you know, scenarios in which if, if suddenly there was first contact, there would be mayhem, <laughs> you know, there'd be chaos yeah. in the streets. So there's a part of me that the only thing I can think of to explain it, and I'm not suggesting that the, you know, the Vulcans have landed. I'm just saying it, the only thing I can think of was why would they would now suddenly change tack and be like declassify this information and bother to rebrand the idea of a UFO is mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe they have reverse engineered some technology that they decide for climate change reasons or whatever they need. To, we need to start implementing um, and they don't want people to be terrified of this because it's associated with movie theater, alien, you know, mm -hmm. monsters from space. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I haven't sat and thought about it long and hard, but um, I can't imagine another reason why you would. Yeah, because they're sense, yeah. as implausible as it feels. I mean, the government l blithely lies to our faces about lots of things. Sure, I mean, yeah, we just yeah. come to expect it. So it's not you know, like they're just going to suddenly. It's like we feel like being honest. You know, <laughs> yes. the people need to know. You know what, guys? We we haven't been completely honest with you. That <laughs> needs to we're change. Gonna, we're going to level with you. Um, one thing that I've jokingly thought since uh, Trump got elected was that. There is either nothing, you know, there's no evidence of aliens at all, or they hid it from Trump because, yeah. you know, there's no way he could have kept that secret. You know, if, if we had aliens oh or whatever, God. it'd be like, everybody, here's my good friend, Zeep Blop. You know, have he, you, he'll I be mean, have secret, you, secret no longer. Or have he you would heard be flying the tape around about him it. with the documents. It's like he said, yeah, I declassified them. There's nothing in there. And then somebody has a tape of him with some yahoos. Yeah, like now look at this. This is a doc. This is classified. I could have declassified it while I was president, but I didn't. So, but so I guess I'm not supposed to be showing you this. But anyway, that's pretty neat, huh? Because this is so nuclear you, and you, nuclear codes. <laughs> and you're like, you, what? You they somebody you, get you a tape thing? This is just insane. You know, if they had taken him to Roswell, like in uh, 
Independence Day, he would have been like, can we use it against the Chinese? You know, can we can we fly, use flying saucers, you know, to go to and there were conversations to take the nuclear football away from him. It's like, well, can oh, yeah. we not? And I mean, that's that that's the president's got the finger that goes on the button. So there's a and, dude that follows him around with a briefcase they call the football that is which a he would, mobile launch thing where he could launch nukes at a moment. He could turn to Larry or whatever the dude's name is and be like, "Here we, we're doing this." And, and he would show it to people at Mar-a-Lago. Like, can we can we not have him have the football? because yeah. <laughs> he showed it to people at Mar-a-Lago. You know, oh, he had the guy yeah. hanging around there, and he's like, "Hey, here's the nuclear football." But one one thing that leads me to believe that they just didn't tell him is I don't know if you. I mean, this was a, a small story among a million, but there was a. Um, while he was in office, they did some kind of raid of immigrants at like a construction site or something like that. And they didn't, they purposely did not tell Trump because they knew he would, you know, it was, they wanted to, it wanted to be a surprise and so they could get these immigrants and they knew that Trump would spoil it. He would go on Twitter or whatever. So they just didn't tell him. So I'm sure Whatever there is in Area 51 or whatever that they were just like, we cannot tell this guy because he will not be able to keep this a secret. You know? Right. I, I kind of suspect that. I'm not saying there are aliens in there, but I'm I'm sure there's stuff that we don't want the Russians to know about or whatever that I, they just didn't tell him, you know, is I my mean, suspicion. What's really crazy about it is, is the 180 from like you folks are smoking a little too much wacky tobacco you're crazy there's no such thing as little green men to being like well we see a lot of things and here's some footage of it you know mm-hmm. um and i think is that they're even like uh isn't there like recording of obama saying that there's st- like you said where there's stuff like we don't know what it is you know we don't know if it's foreign we don't know you know I, I i'm pretty sure did. there's quotes from obama i i think he probably did um but it's not older than that. Yeah. You know, we're talking the last five, six years, maybe. And you also have, you know, very credible uh, military pilots saying yeah. that they've seen stuff often. Right. You know? Not so. unstable sounding people. Like right. Very competent sounding people yeah. being like. And the footage is really interesting, too, because you hear their voices on it. They're like, you're seeing this? It's <laughs> like a copy. It's like, whoa. You know, they're like, how do you explain it? Can you, you got an explanation for that? No idea, man. Did we get that on camera? You know, it's like, so you hear these guys, the chatter. And it's just, you're like, oh, snap. So then you go, so it's aliens. And they go, well, we don't know what it is. I'm like, okay. So if, if it's not alien, what, is time travelers? I mean, what, we're... It, Aliens is a sort of a general term for all of that Star Trek stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's got to be. Oh, yeah. It's got to be my, out of this uh, earth. My grandparents, I think before before I was born, and I, I asked them this story several times over the years, and they always, their story never changed. They always t- told it exactly the same way. And my grandmother was the kind of person that if somebody had told her this, she would have just been like, I don't believe you. I, I, don't, right, I think right. that's a lie. But she worked at a like a glass factory um, that no longer exists here in in our town. And she worked, I, I think she was coming home at like three in the morning. 
and there used to be to get to where their house was, there used to be train tracks, which they've now taken out. Um, but she said she, she's driving over the train tracks and saw like this bright light above her and saw a ship. And, uh, she said for whatever reason, she stopped the car and got out. And she said, this thing was completely silent, really bright lights. She said, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning, but she could see all the blades of grass and stuff. And she said it just hovered. So she's, I said, you know, could it be, I, I asked, you know, all kinds of things to try to be like, could it have been a be weather this? balloon? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I said, you know, could it have been a helicopter? And she's like, no, she said it, it made no sound. And she said she watched it for, she didn't know how long. And then finally she realized she was like, it's three o'clock in the morning and there's nobody else around. I'm here by myself. And so she went in the house and woke my grandfather up and they both watched it out the window for a while. Oh, he and saw And then it after too. he saw it too. And like I say, they both told it, you know, I asked them, my, my grandmother died in the eighties and my grandfather lived to be a hundred and died in 2012. And, you know, I asked him the story after she had died, you know, he said exactly the same thing. So they watched it for a bit. It just kind of hovered and then it just took off and that was it. And so, I mean, I, I don't know what they saw, but I, I believe what they told me, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't something like I say, they, they weren't the kind of people that would just like make something up, you know, right. like that. So, right. Um, and it was, they were just like, it wasn't anything, you know, that we'd ever, they were like, it wasn't an airplane. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, wasn't somebody in a hot air balloon, you know, at night, uh, with bright lights shining or whatever, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a helicopter. Um, so yeah. And my dad was in the Navy and not that, you know, he was dealing with top secret stuff, but he said that, uh, so he was in the Navy in the early sixties. And he said, you know, that even the stuff that he was dealing with was more advanced than what the public knew about. He said, you know, they definitely held back like what, what the capabilities were and the, and the things that they had, because there was no real, real reason for the, the, so he said, you know, it's hard to tell what, uh, you know, this would have been, you know, he would have been before like the SR-71 Blackbird, which, you know, that thing was insane. And I think that was made in like 1968 or something. So uh, I don't know, you know, uh, and you have to wonder if there are things that we have that are top, so top secret that only a select few people know what it is, you know. Maybe the fighter pilots that are seeing these things, maybe it's our own stuff and they're just not privy to it because they don't need to know. Maybe, you know? but what's fascinating to me is the behavior of some of these objects. Mm -hmm. You know, like it'll be going remarkably fast and come to a sudden stop, like a dead stop, mm -hmm. not, not show any signs of deceleration, just... And likewise, the other way around. There's not a you know, parabolic period of acceleration. It seems to go from zero to hypersonic and, and, and can corner and turn in ways that we wouldn't think of, um, any object that we could pilot certainly at any speed mm -hmm. could do. So, you know, and no, and some of them have no apparent means of propulsion, right? Like it might be an orb. It might be, 
cigar shaped or a saucer shaped or something but no like you know in all of our science fiction movies there's basically some sort of a jet engine there's some device that is causing the propulsion and this doesn't seem to conform to any of that so i mean i think in some ways they're they're closest to being honest when they say we don't know what it is Mm -hmm. i mean you wouldn't crack one of those things open if you could crack it open and there'd be a instruction manual in there yeah true and assuming there are beings in them and they're not drones or something. Yeah, why would you assume that um, there were beings in them? Well, why wouldn't you just assume? I mean, we fly drones all over the place right now. Sure. Compared to that stuff, we're cavemen. Why would we assume that they are piloted? Yeah. But assuming there are some, let's say, beings who could get here, you know, people are always worried that they're going to take us over or whatever. But. I think they would more view us like we view a dog or something, you know, because they would, you know, they're obvious if they can do these things, they're obviously going to be way advanced beyond us. Did you ever read the three body problem? It's a series of books by a Chinese Mm -hmm. author. They're great science fiction. Um, But one of the really shocking feeling revelations in it is that, you know, the universe is full of all different kinds of civilizations at all different levels of advancement mm-hmm. and the same rule that applies on earth really applies throughout the universe in the galaxy which is there's a limited amount of resources so every True, species yeah. in its nature is to expand and eventually you're going to bump up against other things and there's it's a competition of resources um so this idea of aliens you know that would be advanced enough to, they would probably just see us, you're right, as insect. We're just part of the native fauna and flora on this planet that has, that is a, has a certain set of resources, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then uh, that being said, that's how, that's an, a very implicitly human way of looking at it. Well, I mean, how else are we going to, we are human, so we're going to look at things in a human way. But, Mm-hmm. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a little far field. <laughs> we did, but we didn't have a lot right. to say about this movie. Yeah, I mean, what is but yeah, it? But I wanted to it. ask you one other thing. This is related. This is more related to our podcast. Um, I don't know how much attention you've been paying to the the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers' Strike. Mm. Do you, and I just got to thinking, do you, since you're an actor, do you know anybody who's in SAG? Many. Like, have you took... Have you talked to anybody who's involved? Yeah, with although this or I don't, anything? I don't know any actors that um, I'm not in in like close contact with any actor friends that were on a show that's running, you know, that had to mm-hmm. shut down or that you know. So um, the few people I know that work at that level have been doing it successfully enough that they're fu- they're going to be okay. They can ride this out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, there are a lot of actors that it's a grind. They, they audition all the time and you get some small percentage of commercials and work and, you know, that pays for your year. And if this goes on too long, you're really, really hurting people's livelihood, but I'm very well, firmly on their side, right? Oh, I sure. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to write human actors out of the equation is like, it's just cruel you know 
Just because well, an I'm talking could about, be made to do something doesn't mean it should. Well, and speaking of cruel, I don't know if you saw the. Uh, this was before SAG went on strike. This was, you know, well into the the writer strike. But one of the, uh, it was off the record, so they didn't give a name. But one of the executives said, "So this is, I think, was it? I believe it was May, like May seventh or ninth or something like that, when the writers went on strike." And there was an article that came out in Variety or one of those, uh, you know, newspapers or sites now where one of these executives was quoted as their plan is to wait until about October. And at that point, then then people would start losing their homes and their apartments and then they'd be willing to negotiate. I mean, think about how, you know, what a scumbag you have to be to be like, hey, you know. Yeah, people will start losing their homes, and then they'll come crawling to us, you know. And people but, will and, say, uh, oh, I'm a businessman. It's business. And you're like, no, that's really cruel. And some of these CEOs, one of the, forget which one, has made $500 million in oh, a, yeah. overall in the last five years, you know. And there are lots of stories coming out where, I, I wasn't familiar with this actor because I've never seen the show, but the Sabrina, you know, the Teenage Witch show that they made for Netflix, a couple of years ago, there's a guy, I think he plays like the devil or something like that. And so he's somebody that would, he was on the successful show on Netflix and people, somebody on Twitter or Instagram, one of those things said, yeah, you know, look at these millionaires, you know, uh, uh, you know, fighting against the billionaires or whatever. And the guy was like, I'm on a successful show. He said, I'm not a millionaire. He said, I forget what he said. You know, I drive like a 10 year old Toyota Corolla. You know, he said, I'm doing okay. But he said, I'm not a millionaire. And he said, there's a whole lot of other people that are, you know, faces that you would recognize. And just because they're on a show that's on Netflix or prime or whatever, doesn't mean they're making, you know, millions of dollars. Oh, I know. And, uh, you know, I know. Um, I mean, you I look at the, the, I don't it know if glamorous and you think, oh, these people have it made. I'm like, not necessarily. I mean, Matt Damon's got it made. Yeah. Right. But and but, Matt Damon is speaking out for the other people. Of course. Too. I mean, he's been really good. on. Of this, course. You know? And maybe, uh, you know, I'm thinking of Ford versus Ferrari. Right. Matt Damon's mm-hmm. got it made. Christian Bale has got it made. But. I bet you go down that list, there aren't too many other actors in that high-profile successful movie that you could say have got it made. Mm-hmm. They're fortunate if they're working. They may be worth, they may be doing okay, but they're not anywhere near like these studio executives are. I mean. And the model has changed so much. since I, I, was list, I listened to an interview with a guy who was an actor I didn't recognize but um, he was saying, you know, with the uh, the typical series model where, you know, the shows come out in the fall and they run through the spring and then, you know, you're off in the summer or whatever. He said, well, with streaming now, you know, they can make the show anytime. And he said with the the the, the old series model, you knew you were employed for a certain time frame. Whereas right. he said now you may shoot for a while and then um you know, six months later or three months later or whatever, they want you to come back. And he said for whatever show he was doing, he said, I had to grow a beard. And he said, then we go on hiatus for however many months. 
And he said, I'm auditioning for other roles. And they're like, yeah, we don't want somebody with a beard. And so he said, so I couldn't work on anything else until I went back to work on my Netflix Netflix show, which I was only being paid, right. you know, when we were shooting right. or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it's a all around. It's a bad system. You know, I, I don't know what the public opinion is, because I'm sure a lot of people do look at it as like, oh, they're all rich. But, you know, it's a. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely in support of it all. But so writers yes. too, man. Writers, oh yeah, yeah. People who work in writers' room, you're like, oh, they, that's a cushy job. A lot of them get paid peanuts. No. And I've seen one of the the best people that I've seen, and this was before the SAG went on strike. Was uh, shoot, I'm drawing a blank now on his name. Uh, Colin Farrell. Hmm. Uh, he was on the picket line in New York, and he was saying. Without writers, I don't have a job. Right. You know, because he's like, I'm not a writer. I'm an actor. And he said, so they, you know, put literally put the words in my mouth. And he said, I wouldn't be anywhere if it weren't for writers. You know, so. Yeah. So, yes. Well, uh, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. That's our handle. We're on the socials. Like and subscribe. Leave us a comment, suggestion, feedback. Um, for the next episode after this is going to be Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And then after that, we are going to do They Cloned Tyrone, which is mm -hmm. a Netflix movie that yeah. came out with Jamie Brand new Fox. Netflix one. Yes, with a, yes. a bunch of interesting actors doing delicious character work mm -hmm. um, that you've already finished and I haven't quite finished yet. So I'm, I'm yeah. definitely going to get to that, and I think you should join us for that. And yeah. just a heads up about the Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, we... For about the first 15 minutes, we just try and review it without giving any spoilers, and then we give a clear... We've already recorded it. Um, uh, we give mm -hmm. a very clear denotation that we're going to begin spoiling it, and we do. So, yes. So there's a little time traveling happening. A little, yeah. So, um, yeah. But, I mean, we got a little far yeah. afield, but it's good to talk to you as always. A nice episode. Yeah, it's fun to talk to about. And, I mean, I think we both kind of recommend Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's maybe not yeah. the finest of any of these players' uh, work, but uh, certainly entertaining. Yeah, a fun movie. Um, yeah, so unless you have anything else to add. I think that's it. The two of us will talk to you all next week, baby.